if you're looking for investment advice for the next round of stimulus money. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. We we that's, really suck at that. That's actually. not us. No. Yeah, not us at all. Uh, this is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. marriage. Welcome to Comedy Tragedy Marriage, a podcast where a longtime married couple sits down, taking turns each week, selecting a movie, documentary, TV show to watch, and then we talk about it. You're absolutely right in that opinion. Um, I am Stan the Movie Man. I review films when there are films to review uh, at StanTheMovieMan.com. You can follow me on Twitter at MovieManStan, and you can follow the podcast at CT Marriage. You can send us an email if you'd like. Send that to ComedyTragedyMarriage at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to just get something off your chest, there is a link in the description of this podcast where you can leave us a voice message. Joining me as always is my significantly better half. Oh, stop it. Um, this week, I am Maud, your thunderous broad. I guess that's what that was going to be this week. I'm so predictable. No, wah, you're not. Wah, wah. Not predictable at all. Um, so, uh, it was my choice. Now, this is kind of a series that uh, we're going to do occasionally. Um, Maud made the horrendous mistake. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> of telling me that she enjoyed the Disney Plus series WandaVision, which I, is... I did, I did. I hate myself a little bit. Which involves some Marvel characters. And it apparently is going... It was used as uh, sort of a gateway into the next phase of Marvel films, uh, as Wanda is apparently going to be a big part of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, and they hinted at the multiverse a little bit with some of the characters, but it turned out really wasn't that. Anyway, um, so, and she also implied, if not outright said, that she would be interested in, in future movies. I might, At least the ones involving Wanda. I might be amenable to, yeah, you're grooming me. I'm, look. I am I am educating you. You're grooming me. Look, look, all we're going to do, this is all we're going to do. It's like breadcrumbs along the ground, and I'm hungry, so I follow the breadcrumbs looking for the pizza. And then I have you in my trap. Pretty so, much. Because there have been so many movies, and because there have uh, been so many characters, and... Uh, the characters of Wanda and Vision were sort of introduced in the middle of all of this. Uh, what I'm what I'm doing is, is I'm I'm going to give her the bare minimum exposure to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, henceforth and forever to be known as the MCU. Um, we've seen Iron Man. That was a movie I picked a while, several episodes back. Because Robert Downey Jr. is pretty, and she liked. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And the movie was fine, too. The movie was fine. Robert Downey Jr. is pretty. Uh, calm down. Pretty. Calm down. Um, and so I'm going to try um, to make to make her watch 
the minimum number of Marvel films just so that she isn't lost once, if and when, we can return to the theater to see Doctor Strange or whatever future films are coming out. So that I am at least minimally Marvel literate. Yes. And uh, to begin that process, we watched Thor. It is the 2011 film. Here. Oh, thank you. Uh, that stars Chris Hemsworth as the God of Thunder. Uh, also, we have Natalie Portman, Tom Hiddleston, Stellan Skarsgård, uh, Ray Stevenson, Idris Elba, Kat Dennings. A lot of people in this movie, uh, along with Anthony Hopkins uh, playing Odin. Imagine my surprise. I'm like, dude, Anthony Hopkins? And you're like, yeah. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, because he's a big deal. He plays uh, Odin, the king of Asgard. Uh, the film um, is about how Thor uh, disappoints and disobeys his father, uh, showing his uh, immaturity and uh, his uh, lack of readiness to take the throne. He gets uh, stripped of his powers, sent to Earth, uh, uh, along with his uh, super powerful hammer, Mjolnir. 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 And, and uh, Sorry. Uh, Odin uh, puts a, a spell on the hammer so that only the one who is worthy can be gifted the powers of Thor. And he throws the hammer uh, onto the Bifrost, which sends... Uh, Thor and the hammer to Earth. The Bifrost is like a wormhole portal. Yes. There are like nine realms, apparently. Yes. And Earth is one of the realms. Yes. And Asgard is another one. Yes. And then there's, um, uh, I don't remember, the, the, the one that they pissed off and were about to go to war with. <laughs> that would be the land of the ice giants. That's Jotunheim. Jotunheim. I was thinking... Toten something anyway Jotunheim and there's you know like those are three that have names and there are apparently six more and the um, Bifrost is like the portal to the wormholes that get you to each of the different realms right that's, that's correct and Idris Elba is Heimdall Heimdall and he is the guardian of the Bifrost and all of the wormholes. And That's he, exactly right. He controls passage to and fro, hither and thither. Uh, um, he also can see into the various realms yeah. from Asgard. Um, he has some sort of gift of, of advanced sight so that he, he has access to all the realms. Okay. First of all, Idris Elba is pretty... Um, his role in this movie was not enormous, no. but I'm sure we see more substantial presence from him probably later in other films and stuff. Um, we do see Kat Dennings at, in her character as Darcy, which I remembered her from WandaVision. So right. that was our one lone tie-in between WandaVision and this film. That's correct. Um, we also see um, the actor's name is Clark Gregg, and he is Coulson from mm -hmm. S.H.I.E.L.D., mm -hmm. who apparently are the good guys. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, S.W.O.R.D. is bad guys, right? No, S.W.O.R.D. isn't bad guys. It was run by a bad guy. Okay. Whatever. By I'm still, a bad guy. I am still not fully, obviously, 
Marvel literate. But well, we do see him, and I remember him from the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. which I watched a little bit of, but certainly not enough to get a toe into this Marvel Universe water. Um, and thirdly and finally, um, Chris Hemsworth is also pretty. Yeah, he is. He's very pretty. Well, and Natalie Portman and Kat Dennings both are for you, so. And the the Xena warrior goddess knockoff. Sif. Sif. Um, Jamie Alexander is mm-hmm. the actress's name. Um, she is not difficult to look at either, and I can acknowledge this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's all true. Um, once Thor arrives on Earth, he is um, found uh, at, you know, by hitting him with a truck. Um, Natalie Portman by... can't drive. <laughs> well, she needs to keep her eye well at the time when he arrives he arrived in uh on the bifrost which to them looked like a tornado but um he um yeah so i'm gonna drive my truck into that well he he landed where she was going he landed where she yeah she can't drive anyway she is an astrophysicist named jane foster who is studying these odd uh electromagnetic or whatever effects and some Um, kind of bridge yeah um, but, you know, as Thor says, or as actually she, she says also, uh, that, um, one person's science is another person's magic. So, um, you know, it is a technology that is well known in the realms and on some of the nine realms, but not on earth. And... Um, the battle between the Frost Giants and uh, Asgard uh, took place on Earth. And uh, the history of, of Odin and Thor and Loki and all the rest of them um, is our myths now. Because they've been forgotten on this realm. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, there's there's some treachery afoot with um, Thor's brother Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston, who has a secret that even he doesn't know about until later. Uh, it's a 10-year-old movie. I won't spoil it for you, but, you know. I always felt different. Yes, he, he always feels different. Um, and he wants to be king of Asgard. So uh, he carries on some machinations um, to try to make sure Thor never comes back uh, from Earth. I was trying to think all through the movie who Tom Hiddleston reminded me of. And with his hair done the way it was in this movie, he reminds me a lot of gender-fluid former Olympic skater Johnny Weir. You can you can look that up later, but that is who he reminded me of. Just the shape of his face and some of his facial expressions and the shape of his hairline. So for for what that's worth, which is nothing, but yeah. still. Um, and... I'll do side-by-sides of them later, though, and show you. Okay. All right. I, I believe you, but I, that never would have come to me in a thousand years. Well, do you know who Johnny Weir is? I, I'm aware of him. I, his face doesn't immediately spring to mind. Um... So, you know, the all of the superhero stuff, Thor has to learn to not be a baby and um, realize that he can't solve every problem simply by throwing a hammer at it. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it's about Thor growing up a little bit um, and being the hero that he's supposed to be. Um, Maturing into his destiny. Yes. Uh, to eventually be king of Asgard, but not right now. Um, so, this was early on. I think this is the fourth movie in the MCU. Uh, we had um, Iron Man, which you've seen. Mm -hmm. We had Incredible Hulk, which, not the one we went to see. That was The Hulk. And that was horrible. That was bad. Uh, this one, um, you know, is actually... Is less bad. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I'm not going to make you sit through that. Moderately less bad, but... Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then there was Iron Man 2, which, in my opinion, not a real good one. Okay. And then we had Thor. I think I have my chronology right. Okay. Um, so, I, as I remember it when I saw it the first time. In the theater. In the theater. Yeah. And look, these movies suffer from going from the big screen to the small screen. It loses, you know, some of the grandeur and the impressiveness of the giant events that occurred that are now squeezed onto a TV screen. Well, and surround sound and whatnot. Right. Um, but this was not one of my favorite Marvel movies. I, I just didn't, I, it just seemed to take itself a little too seriously. Um, and it uh, didn't help that it was uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Um, it wasn't supposed to be initially, though, was it? No, he was always attached to oh, it. Oh, okay. My pretty, bad. Pretty sure he was always attached to it. Um, and You think it was a little full of itself? A little bit, although, seeing it this time, it's funnier than I remember it being. Okay. But, um, yeah, this was not my favorite. It just... Yeah, it's a superhero movie, and it's about the hero having to rediscover uh or or learn what it truly takes to be a hero and he is humbled at one point and oh and we also uh get our first look at uh the character known as hawkeye um whose um character name uh, whose real name as a character is clint barton jeremy, uh, renner, jeremy renner with the renner. bow and arrow right um but we just see him a little bit and we aren't 100% sure who he is, but that gets straightened out later on. Um, so it, it it establishes this character, and as far as that goes, I guess it does a pretty good job of uh, laying out the uh, mythology and uh, the relationships between um, Loki and Thor, um, and also between Odin and Thor, and giving us an idea that the universe, this was the first time they showed us aliens, or, you know, other realms in the MCU. Okay. This was the first time we knew, at least in the MCU, that um, there were other planets with other creatures, which becomes more fleshed out later on um now i know this genre of film is not your cup of tea um because when i started 
when, when I got the idea and talked to you about this, <laughs> uh, this podcast, it was like I just assumed the movies you picked I would not like, the movies I picked you would not like, but we have discovered that we are a bit broader and more open-minded about these things than we originally, than I originally thought. Oh, yeah, me too, same. Um, so, tell me, what did you think of Thor? Chris, Aside from how pretty he is. Chris Hemsworth is pretty. Oh, God, here we go. Tom Hiddleston was very entertaining in his role as Loki, the trickster god. Mm-hmm. Um, he's... Uh, he's a decent actor in his own world, in his own right, aside from superheroes, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was better than I expected. Okay. Um, it was very visual. Um, even, of course, I haven't seen it on a large screen, so I have no basis for comparison. Right. But it's, it's a very flashy nice looking film right. there's the special effects looked good to me mm-hmm. the 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 universes that we see in Jotunheim and um, Asgard um, are beautiful mm-hmm. well I mean Jotunheim's ugly yeah Jotunheim's not that but not it's good. it's and those the Jotunheimers or whatever whatever they call the them frost giants the frost giants yeah they're creepy looking mm-hmm. they reminded me of like a cross between creature from the black lagoon and Cardassians from Star Trek um, just kind of like scaly weird looking creatures yeah and and it doesn't help that Jotunheim is very dark yeah so, um, so it's kind of really hard to see um, what's going on there and what they really look like but their eyes glow. Uh, red. Yeah, like Village of the Damned, except not in pale I- albino people, but yeah. in dark, creepy, swamp creaturey things. Um, but yeah, I, th- I, it was better than I expected it to be. Okay. Um, a little silly. Yeah. Just from the bombastic nature of Thor and, um, you know the. The Warriors Three. Um, you know what, though, the Earth part of the storyline was what seemed shallow to me. The mythology and the way that they fleshed all of that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can suspend disbelief and go for like the Vikings and the horny helmets and all of that, and the the pitchforks and the whatnots. Um, it was the it was the Earth part of the storyline that seemed a little lacking. I would have liked for that to have had a little more depth to it. It was like, um, pretty scientist and quirky scientist assistant and older mentory scientist who was raised in the Scandinavian places and mm-hmm. knew the myth of Thor and Loki, but didn't, you know, Cons- just it was thought just, they a, were stories. just a fairy tale. Yeah. I remember, you know, his mother reading them to him at bedtime or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that character, Eric, is played by Stellan Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. So he's one of those people you point at and it's like, oh, that guy, I know that guy. Yeah, uh, he and Darcy are kind of both the fonts of exposition to you know, sort of explain things and, and um, I, I guess to ground um, the superhero stuff a little bit, you know, because Eric doesn't believe he that Thor is Thor. Yeah. He thinks he's somebody with a mental illness or 
or or who could be dangerous. Um, and Darcy at one point uh, tases Thor. Yeah, early, early like on. very early after we meet Thor, she tasers him. But she she appreciates his form later on because she sees him without a shirt. We all see him without a shirt. Mm. Everybody appreciates his form. Mm. Um, Natalie Portman, anybody could have played that character. Yeah. She kind of seemed like she phoned it in. Well, I don't think that, especially a movie like this, gives her enough to do. We watched Black Swan. and Which is why I say she phoned this in. Because um, that was a riveting, fully committed, fully fleshed out, cray-cray psychopathic performance. And she's, you know, uh, here she's... Window dressing. Well, that, and and she's in part damsel in distress, and although she pretty much takes care of herself most of the time. Um, And she's also, I think, the emotional anchor for Thor for him to realize that he's just, he needs to do things for other people, not just for his own gratification. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, she plays that role fine. But the script really doesn't give anybody enough to do. No, it's, it's as far not, as acting goes. It's not scintillating dialogue most of the time. I mean, you know, uh, mostly the talky parts are to are just to connect the actiony parts. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a decent amount of action in the film, especially as Thor tears through the shield base that is uh, set up around Mjolnir as he's trying to get to it to pick it up and be Thor again but when he gets there he can't pick it up he, he's not he noble is, yet he is not worthy of wielding the power of Thor so and and that's a that's kind of the whole purpose of the film is to is for Thor to learn what he you know that he's he's not invincible and he's not um, he doesn't know everything, and just because he's angry and wants to break things, that isn't necessarily the way to go. No, that's the that's the conf- that's the chief conflict that's resolved right. in this film. There's also the whole oh, I've fallen in love with pretty scientist girl, so now I have to save her realm, um, even though it may mean personal sacrifice to him. Exactly. And then there's the whole sibling rivalry between him and Loki, mm-hmm. which I keep wanting to call him Loki, but, um, <laughs> and I've, I've heard it said both ways, so whatever. Anyway. Well, in the MCU, he's Loki. Yeah. So um, there's ho- that whole um, conflict that gets somewhat sewn up. Mm-hmm. Or does it? Um, it, it, well, in this movie, it does for this movie, uh, Loki is one of the more prolific villains of the Marvel movie universe. Excellent. Uh, he plays a big part in Avengers, the first Avengers, um, and, uh, is sprinkled throughout other films, um, and, um, is also let's see uh, um well anyway yeah he's he's a he's actually a fan favorite as far as the villains go 
they folks would probably rather see another Loki movie or a a Loki movie as opposed to a Thor movie. Although we are going to get um, another Thor movie, they're in the process of shooting it right now, I believe. Um, and well, I'm not going to say anything about Loki in that one. We'll just have to wait and see. But suffice to say that um, the MCU franchises um, are giving Tom Hiddleston work. Well, that's true because Loki is getting his own show on Disney Plus. Yeah. Well, plus his sprinkling among different films. Yes, so yes. it's 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 good that Tom Hiddleston's got a gig. It it is, um, and uh, we'll have a regular series, probably in the eight to ten episode range, just like Wandavision, uh, on Disney Plus coming up. I th- is that coming out in May or June, somewhere around in there. I'd like to see him and her butt heads. Oh, Wanda? Yeah. I think Wanda would mess him up pretty bad. See? But this would be so much fun. Um, one thing that I did notice about Thor is the, the fight scenes are really beautifully choreographed. It's very, um, it's interesting to watch their movements. Well, I would have agreed. Except? Ex- except for the last one between Thor and Loki. Um, that, the way that one is shot, it's hard to see what's going on. Um, it's a little too shaky, a little too much move, camera movement during the action. Um, and I don't know if it's because Branna's not used to shooting, um, That kind of fight scene. Uh, because, you know, the big set piece, uh, in the town where the giant robot comes in and, uh, the destroyer. Um, and is blowing everything up and throwing um, everybody around like they're toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene was shot I th- in a way that at least it made sense. Um, and I was, you know, y- you could see everything happening, but that was happening on a much bigger scale. Well, and I was thinking particularly of the scene where it's like Thor and his whole gang of homies are fighting off the Frost People. Yes. That was very interesting fight choreography to me because there was, you know, there were people everywhere fighting creepy people. Right. So, and it was, and it was, to me, it was cool looking. Mm-hmm. So, but then again, maybe I have a low cool looking threshold for fight choreography. Well, no, I don't know. That's fine. If you enjoy it, if you think it looks cool, then it looks cool. It lo- That part looked cool. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, uh, to say that I'm a little surprised that you have as many positive things to say about Thor as you do uh, would be an understatement. You thought I'd hate it more? I, I thought you would be sort of meh about it. But we're going to find out exactly how she feels because we're going to rate this film right after this. Welcome back to Comedy Tragedy Marriage as we are talking about Thor now. This is a bit of an experiment as far as I'm concerned because if if things go south with these movies for for Maud, then I'll pull the plug. But I have to ask, what rating on a scale of one to five Mjolnirs do you give Thor? I think for me, overall, it was entertaining enough 
to warrant a four for Thor. Oh my. Four hammers. I am shocked. Because, shocked, I say. Because I'm not going to be all pretentiousy and be all mirror <laughs> or what. It, it's, it's four hammers for Thor. All right. Well, you know what? I'm right there. Three for his abs. All right. Calm down. Uh, I am right there with you. I give Thor four Mjolnirs. Hammers. That too. Mjolnir. <laughs> well, that's the name of it. I'm it, sorry. It makes my face hurt <laughs> to try to say that. Uh, what have you been watching lately? Uh, well, you caught me at it today. Yes, and I'm disgusted by your choice. Oh, stop it. Um Several weeks back, maybe as much as two months, I'm not really sure, a little bit of um, hashtag COVID brain still happening from time to time, but um, Amazon Prime um, acquired the reboot of Mad About You from 2019. Mm -hmm. So I watched that and loved it. And so I decided today to start the original run of Mad About You from 1992. So I started today with the pilot, and on Amazon Prime, they're streaming it commercial-free. At least the episodes I've seen so far have been without commercials. Well, Amazon Prime is commercial-free. Oh. The, the only time, the only reason there's commercials in when I'm watching Columbo is because that's on IMDb. Yeah. Um, which is a, a different service. I just get it through Amazon. Okay. Um, anyway, with no commercials, you just have your in and out break bumps, and you can whiz through these episodes in, <laughs> I said whiz. whiz. <laughs> yeah. You can whiz through these episodes in like 22, 23 minutes. Mm. So I've like, I've plowed through like half a dozen of epi episodes this afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, and I had forgot, I, I knew and remembered how fond I was of this TV show and how much I loved it. What I had not forgotten exactly but but maybe it had dulled a little bit in my memory mm -hmm. is just how good the chemistry was between Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt first of all um, the supporting cast um, we're still in season one so we still have Tommy Hinckley playing the Selby character who's like an old pal of Paul's from college Selby mysteriously disappears after the first season yeah. and they actually make reference to that in a much much later season um, where somebody says yeah whatever happened to Selby anyway because a lot of other people in the fan universe had had wondered whatever happened to Selby he just kind of fell off the planet um but I had forgotten how good their chemistry was, how excellent, really, really excellent the writing was, and how snappy the dialogue and banter was between them, um, particularly in the first few episodes where Jamie uh, uh, um, occasionally comes off with um, her impression of Paul, mm. and she's she's talking about... I'm about being in a restaurant with him, um, trying to make a menu choice was like the ninth circle of hell or something. And she does this impression where he says, you know, I'm thinking soup, but all they have is bisque. And I don't know, I'm uneasy with bisque. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not comfortable starting a cheese. I just, you know, she, she had a really spot on impression of Paul Reiser. Oh. Um, so um, that's that's the most notable thing that's going on with me is just revisiting this favorite from I did the math and it's almost 30 years ago. Oh, dear 
God, how is that possible? But it's big fat possible because it's st- <laughs> it started in 1992. So, uh, and later on, we'll meet a, a character who is the twin sister of another character on Friends. Yes. Uh, we'll meet Ursula. Yes. Who, who is... is the twin of Phoebe Buffay. Yes. Um, and uh, Ursula is a waitress at Riffs, which is the neighborhood bar and grill that they frequent, mm-hmm. which we have just been introduced to. I think in the fourth episode of the first season, we we meet Riffs for the first time. Um, but we don't see Ursula. We do, we have throughout the arc of Mad About You, we have little twists like that. Uh, we meet Kramer from Seinfeld in a later episode. Is he playing Kramer? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they he had a was... a crossover? He, yeah. Well, just a slight one, because Paul... Jamie's heckling Paul to give up his old apartment, and since they've gotten married, he's he's kept it. And it, it's a source of contention. Um, and, and then she he... rents it to Kramer. Or he rents it to Kramer. Well, no. Kramer's his neighbor. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah. it's it's There are several little... Um, we meet two of the guys from well that's a friends crossover so Mm. never mind but anyway um yes actually jamie and fran i think show up on a friends episode at one point and then two of the doctors from er show up on friends it is just they they nbc did a lot of cross-pollination back in the day and Uh, it's it's smart programming and they were all on thursday night Yes, so must see TV. That was must see TV. So it really was. You you would see occasionally um, characters from one sitcom or uh, the drama ER show up on the other sitcoms. Yeah, so it was a big deal at the time. It was they didn't they also used to sometimes call it the Night of a Thousand Laughs or something along. That I don't line. remember. Oh well, it's all marketing. Doesn't matter. Bygones. Um, Fishism. Any, Anything else? I finished Allie McBeal. So you finished Allie, right? I finished Allie McBeal. The ending and the the most of the last season I had not seen at all, so mm-hmm. most of that was completely new to me. The fifth season of Allie McBeal jumped the shark, and um, it was it was a departure from what was intended because of um, someone who had been added as a main character. Um, had to go into rehab and had some legal troubles. And so instead of that marriage taking place between Allie and the Larry Paul character. Played um, by Robert Downey Jr. Played by Robert Downey Jr. back in the day when he was still partying pretty hardy. Um, Prior Um, to his cleaning up and becoming Iron Man. Yes. Um, Anyway, so that whole story arc had to be scrapped. And so the, the fifth season was like cast members coming in and going out and like the revolving door of of people um so but i'm i'm glad that i watched it all and stuck with it but the fifth season definitely most of the episodes lacked the magic of earlier seasons all right uh we watched murder among the mormons um oh that was so good a documentary series uh limited series on netflix i mean i'm not promoting murder murder's bad but the the, the documentary was good yes um uh it's the story of mark kaufman who was a dealer in rare documents mostly dealing with the mormon church Uh, he had a gift for finding 
these rare documents. He um, sniffed them out like a pig sniffing truffles. That's right. Almost like he was making them. Almost. And almost. And, um, you know, he would sell them to the Mormon church because some of these documents put into question the establishing of the Mormon church, like the White Salamander Letter. Yeah, they called into question the historic founding of the church like, and disagreed uh, with what they had been told. And um, the church wanted to study them, quote-unquote, but um, they also wanted to hide them. Hashtag bury this. Yeah. So, uh, and, and then, then bombs start going off, and that's where things get messy. So, uh, it's, what, it's three episodes? I think it was three. Three, I believe. Uh, there are some unique and interesting characters amongst the people, and these are real people. Yeah. Uh, who were in um, Mark Hoffman's orbit. Um, and, you know, it's... Uh, it. I was aware of the story, but I didn't know all the detail that you get uh, in the, the three episodes. So... Uh, we both recommend Murder Among the Mormons. It was really fascinating, and it's 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 just a very interesting illustration of what people will do for money. Yes, uh, and that is on Netflix. We um, also watched, for heaven's sake, uh, a documentary uh, series on Paramount+. Plus. I really liked it. It's... Um, the story of uh, a guy whose last name was Heaven, uh, who disappeared in uh, the Canadian wilderness, um, like... 1934. Eight, yeah, uh, way back when. Um, there were s some questions about what happened to him, as in people, when, when he was seen and when he disappeared and and all of this, and his family, it's like their legend. It's, it's the story that gets passed down from generation to generation. But across the generations, a lot of information got buried, got lost, just was never known. Or like a game of telephone, it's it's been get watered down and... and, and corrupted. Yes, it's, it's just, it's all over the place. So, um, one of his, his great, great, great nephew, or great 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 cousin, I nephew. Forget. I think. I think it's nephew. Um, is a filmmaker and also a comedian because one of the producers on this is Funny or Die. Uh, he and his uh, um, filmmaking partner, partner um, decide to try to find find out what happened to Heaven. Harold Heaven. Was Harold his Heaven. Name. Uh, thank you. And um, he talks with his uh, surviving family. Um, all they all seem to be just lovely people, people who seem like they would just open up their home and give you whatever you wanted. Yeah, it seems like a nice family. Um, and he goes to this little town and uh, that has one newspaper and one radio station, and they show him being interviewed by the newspaper reporter and also doing what appears to be a fairly regular. Uh, spot on the radio being interviewed, um, and he stirs up a little trouble with a, a former neighbor, neighbor of uh, the relatives of the former neighbor of Harold, 
Um, and um, it, it's it's more for me. It was more much more interesting as a personality examination. Uh, the 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 two guys making the movie and the uh, the family mm-hmm. and this little town where they uh, you know where they're where the cabin is where he disappeared from. That to me is far more interesting than the mystery. Just their their efforts to find him, the you know, and and the sort of game of of tag that they're going through with these various uh, theories and ideas and suppositions and um, was he gay? Was he not? Yeah, um, you know, making some sort of broad assumptions. And practically accusations against a person or two. Um, you know, from a mystery point of view, it's not that interesting. But just from watching these people, a character study, if you will, uh, that makes it, for me, far more interesting. For me, the two hipster doofuses, comedian, the comedy, <laughs> comedy duo slash... Um, super sleuths trying to figure this thing out. It was obvious to me that these boys were not taking themselves too seriously. There was a lot of little tongue-in-cheek humor, which I found um, disarming and um, very pleasant to see because it it wasn't like, you know, this this millennial kid is on this major, you know, quest and it's all serious and heavy-duty. no, they were they were happy to let us see some goofball moments too, and and that made it refreshing for me because a lot of these documentaries um, are sort of heavy and mm-hmm. dark mm-hmm. and sort of ponderous in their tone sometimes. Right. Um, and this one definitely did not have that feel to it, which, again, I I would say is refreshing. Um, but the hipster doofuses kind of made it. I think they might be a couple. I'm not sure, but... I don't think so. Eh, whatever. But, um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, the probability of them solving an 87-year-old mystery was minuscule. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, I, you know, I guess you have to give them credit for even trying, but it, uh, you know, it's very unlikely. Yeah. Uh, we watched the latest episode of uh, Alan vs. Pharaoh on HBO Max. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, worthy There's, and on top of that, the way that that first interview with um, Dylan mm-hmm. at that Yale something or other, um, it was supposed to be a place that specialized in interviewing sexual assault victims mm-hmm. um and was was it a child sexual assault um Team. study uh, a place was that their emphasis or was it just sexual assault i'm not sure i can't remember anyway i think somebody got paid oh yeah um I yeah definitely... that that set of interviews was totally monkeyed with yeah um and the whole the trial where uh, Woody sued Mia for custody of the children. Oh, please. Okay, here, here is a telling little bit of shenanigans, if you will. Um, there are several 
different points throughout installment three where we see um, we hear phone audio between Woody Allen and Mia Farrow and at one point she asks him are you taping our phone conversation and he's like you know me I'm, not, I'm the last person who would know how to do something like that and then he gets beeped um, and he his call waiting has another call and he straight up says yeah I'm talking to Mia and recording I was leaning toward the fact that she was recording the well, phone calls. And she was. But, but he, he was, was too. too. And lied about it. Right. Which I just... Ugh. Um, there's something... I mean... There is so much not, wrong. We're not going to have a definitive conclusion, uh, a definite yes, this happened, or no, it didn't. But something's going on. Something went on oh, yeah. during all of this. And it's... It's just gross. I mean, just yeah, it's just gross. Yeah. So if you can stand the skeeve, uh, then um, it is also, there's a great deal of, you know, tension and, and suspense in this. Mm -hmm. um, even though this happened 30 years ago, uh, it's still, it's still, you, you still wonder about what's going to happen next in the documentary. So that's, yeah. that is um, Alan versus Pharaoh on HBO Max. And finally, um, Sky Ladder, the art of a guy whose name I will not be able to pronounce, uh, Kai Guo Zhang. Anywhere close? Have no idea. Okay. I was going to give it a try, but no. He is a Chinese artist who deals in multiple... Um, modes of expression um, from paint uh, to sculpture and he also works in fireworks. Um, sometimes he lays out fireworks on the floor, covers them with paper uh, and like we're talking like huge areas of, of like a warehouse floor and then puts rocks or bricks on top of that and then sets off the um, the the, the gunpowder, uh, and it creates burn patterns, scorching on the paper, and he makes pictures out of that. It's really pretty interesting. He also does giant fireworks displays for huge events. Um, he's worked for the Chinese government, even though his ideas they tend to. He, they tend to gut his ideas and they just do the very bare minimum because of political expression and what will the government approve of and what will our what will our bosses okay that oh the government trying to control the arts how unfamiliar well it's it's a little more heavy-handed in china yeah, well. but um yeah and and the the sky ladder is this project he's been trying to get done for like almost 10 years which is um, a ladder uh, constructed of like cables and fireworks that is lifted into the sky um, hundreds of meters by a balloon and then the ladder is ignited and it it I don't know I, I he wanted to do it for his grandmother who was a hundred years old uh, when he finally succeeds. made it happen. Um, and it's, it's like 
you know, this is an expression of ascending into heaven or uh, going from oppression to freedom or something like that. I didn't quite get it. But uh, it is visually very impressive. It's, um, it's like you're watching the fireworks climb a ladder because mm -hmm. it just, it, the, the fireworks light and they just ascend and ascend and ascend upward, upward, upward. It was beautiful. It was. I do not know how any human has the patience to try to engineer and conceive something like this. He's, he's tried it several times before and either because of weather or because of security concerns, because he tried to do it not long after 9-11. Um, uh, and I forget what the other reason was. I think it might have been government interference. But anyway, uh, he had tried and failed, but he, fortunately he succeeds and his grandmother can see it via uh, like a FaceTime call. Uh, although I'm not exactly sure she knew what was going on, but... Um, it's, it's an interesting uh, documentary, an interesting look at this man's process of creation and using um, methods that are outside of what we would normally expect art to be created with. So, uh, Sky Ladder, just search for that. It is on Netflix. All right, you got anything else? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well... I guess that'll do it for this week. Next week is my turn to pick. It is. What will we watch next week? Well, hmm. that is a mystery. Will it be a rom-com mm -hmm. or a chick flick? Same thing. Not necessarily. Or an opera. She's been threatening with opera or since we started this. a musical from the, the golden heyday of Hollywood. The possibilities are limitless. Yes, they are. Yes. Much like uh, the Skyladder creator's um, methods of producing art, the idea of movies is boundless, limited only by one's imagination. So, we'll see. Yes, we will. Yes. And you'll see, too, when you join us next week for Comedy Tragedy Marriage. If you have a suggestion for something for us to watch, you can send that to us. All you have to do is tell us the name of it, where we can find it, and why you think we should watch it. Send that to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message. Uh, just look for the link in the show notes of this or pretty much any episode of Comedy Tragedy Marriage. Thank you very much for listening. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And love you. Love you. Till next time. Later. Later. Yay!